This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. Week 14, NFL Friday, WFUV Sports, Emmanuel Barbari, Charlie Maizano, Chris Hennessy, John DeBarrow alongside for our fantasy hits, and Mike Messina producing us on the other side of the glass. Guys, it is the latter stretch of the season, and the playoff picture is starting to take shape. So an exciting time to talk some football. Oh, I love this time of the year, especially once we get to like week 16, 17, and all the playoff scenarios come out that really, really uh, gets me excited. Especially this week. I mean, you look at games... You look at unreal. Week. We're going to get into it more, obviously. But New Orleans, San Francisco, Buffalo, Baltimore—these are games that are going to have big implications. And the Rams, Seahawks on Sunday night as well. Big implications on who goes to the playoffs, who's playing in January. It's going to be a really exciting week. Interesting NFC, and you were kind of alluding to that. Right now, the 6-7 Cowboys would win the NFC East and host a 10-2 49ers team. Disgusting. That's just how strange it is. It is disgraceful. That's like the the year the Seahawks were 7-9 and and hosted the defending champions. Except New Orleans Saints. The Cowboys won't have a Marshawn Lynch to just save the day and, and create an earthquake inside the stadium. So it's a good segue. Let's start with the Cowboys, who... Don't let the final score deceive you. We're humiliated last night once again. It was a seven-point loss to Chicago, but when you look offensively and defensively with the Cowboys, they can't make a tackle, and they were on no sort of page offensively. I can't count the number of times where Dak Prescott threw a ball when the receiver wasn't looking. It was tough to watch. I I mean, Jerry Jones said last week that they're going to make a coaching change well, he never said that they're going to make a coaching change, but whether they make a coaching change would be at the end of the season. I'm surprised he didn't fire him after last night. I'm surprised he was not fired at 8 o'clock this morning. I mean, there's no excuse for the way this team was prepared for this game. I'm really surprised that Jason Garrett is still in the position that he's in. The team couldn't tackle. I mean, if you watch the highlights of this game, there are so many times where a Bears receiver catches the ball four yards from the line of scrimmage and doesn't get tackled for another seven, eight, nine yards. There are people running up, uh, running wide open in the middle of the field. It's not all on the offense. The offense hasn't been good, and Jason Garrett, obviously, is a former quarterback of the Cowboys. The offense hasn't been good, and Garrett absolutely deserves to be fired. But there are a lot of questions on this team, and they're just no way, whatever way you slice it, they're just not a good football team. There are Jason Garrett apologists, and then there are people who are just flat out wrong. And and you look at where the Cowboys are right now, regardless of what we see with our eyes on the field on a weekly basis, the amount of just immediate letdowns, you see. They're 6-7. and seven. They are outscoring their opponents by 67 points this year. That, so, that, didn't they crush boils, Miami earlier in the year? That so boils down to coaching bit, yeah. for me. When you have a positive point differential and you are a below 500 team right now in an awful division with that level of talent. Awful division. They're 4-0 in the division. They're 2-7 and seven outside of the division. I have seen so many cases of coaches getting fired for performances that are a lot less bad than this. Uh, like, Agreed. This has, this has exceeded fireable offenses with plenty of coaches throughout the league, and suddenly we're just looking at the Cowboys as you know a different scenario. It, this, this should not be different for Jason Garrett. He should be shown the door, and he probably should have been shown the door two years ago, but it should happen right now. How do you let Mitchell Trubisky throw for 244 yards excuse me, and three touchdowns and make him look like an actual good quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really, it really doesn't. And honestly, the only reason... I agree with you, Charlie. I think Jason Garrett should have been fired this morning, and I honestly think he should have been fired after Thanksgiving because they didn't look good in that game either. But the reality of it is they're going to make the playoffs. If they go, if they beat Philadelphia in Week 15, which every sign points to it because Philadelphia has not been good either, and there might be people calling for Doug Peterson's job, although he did win a Super Bowl. They, if they beat Philadelphia, they're going to the playoffs and hosting a playoff. Game. I hate that though. I, I agree with you, but like the reality <laughs> of it is, if you change a coach, you're going to go to the playoffs either way. So, but could you spark this talented team and potentially get more out of them? Maybe and, win and a playoff have Chris game? Richard, whose defense couldn't tackle anybody yesterday. I I, also, I'm not letting off the rest of the staff. I'm just saying there needs to be a culture shift there. But Jason Garrett ha- has lost this team. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so fine. So the culture shift can happen at the end of the season. If you fire Jason Garrett today, you're not replacing everybody. The only, the only person who leaves is Jason Garrett. So now Chris Richard's the head coach, or Kellen Moore's the head coach. Kellen well, Moore, the head Ke- coach. Kellen Moore, the head coach, which is hilarious. I, I just think he needs to send a message. Chris Richard's defense looked like awful yesterday. 
They were terrible. It does not matter who is coaching the team. We've seen several instances. I was just saying there are coaches who have been a lot better than Jason Garrett who have gotten fired more immediately he will than not Jason be, Garrett. He will not be the coach of the Cowboys. It's what I agree. it represents. It's not who's replacing you. It's not who comes next. It, they could mess up the next hire for all I care. When, Jason Garrett does not deserve to be the when, coach. When they're going to the play, they're going to the playoffs. Though. I also That's wanted, the I also want to talk about that. There's no lock that they beat Philly either. The game is in Philadelphia. I mean, they they play, who does Philly play this week? They all play bad teams. Every the both of them play. Oh, the Philly plays teams. the Giants on Monday Night Football. I mean, they could easily win that game. Then they'll be tied for the division. And then if they have all the momentum going on their favor, a home game that game could get flexed into Sunday Night Football. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't. Yeah, write there's off. obviously a chance that the Eagles win the game. I'm not saying that there isn't. I wouldn't but write off the Eagles so so easily. Let's operate under the hypothetical that a few tiebreakers were in their favor that weren't in their favor. The Giants would have a shot at this division. The Redskins they are have a shot. two and ten. It's not an accomplishment to even be remotely close to the playoffs in this division. I understand. And if they make the playoffs, I know we're going to talk about the Seahawks and different seven and nine, eight and eight teams that have made the playoffs. This is a bad, they're a bad, team. badly run team they're a and po- a bad team right now. They're, he's not going to be the coach on January first. I agree with you, but or he will be because they'll be in the playoffs or the <laughs> potential areas of the playoffs. The season will still be going. Right yeah, after. At the at the end of the Cowboys season, the next day he won't be the coach. It's as now, simple as that. Imagine Jason Garrett for some reason takes this team to like the NFC championship. Exactly right. Game. What if they win two games? Yeah. What if they get like? What if they just upset San Francisco? I would get that. And, and then they go. You can't they, fire him then. No, you can't fire him then. But this guy's an signs, immortal. He's all just gonna signs live on. right now point to them. It points to them firing him that's the day after they lose in the, in the playoffs or in Week 17. So the Bears beat the Cowboys. Bears now at 7-6, and six, so they have an outside chance at the second NFC wild card, which is crazy to think. Probably won't get it. But moving forth, you have the rest of the NFC playoff picture that we have to delve into. And one of the reasons you love this week, we were alluding to it earlier, is the amount of high marquee matchups. San Francisco, New Orleans, that's a battle for the one seed in the NFC potentially if San Francisco is able to be a division champ. Baltimore, Buffalo, you never thought you'd talk about Buffalo in that regard, but they're a home team against the 10-2 Ravens. You move down the line, you have a potential AFC championship preview in New England and KC. That, that could happen. Seattle, LA, there are a lot of great marquee matchups this week, and I'm looking forward to the pick'em segment for that reason. Kudos to the people who made the schedule. I mean, yeah, right. Except, they, ex- let's uh, not give too many kudos to the people who are make the Sunday night football schedule, though, because Seahawks, Rams is the well. They, they well, could have easily flexed. That they could. They should have flexed Buffalo, Baltimore. Well, they that. flexed Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh next so week, make so. it San Francisco. New good Orleans, for Buffalo, by the way. Good, absolutely good for Buffalo. But I mean, yeah, I think that. The game of this week is New Orleans-San Francisco. And you talk about San Francisco, they've looked as good as any team in the National Football League. They've only lost two games by a combined six points on last-second field goals. And to think that if they lose this game to New Orleans at the Dome, which is very possible, they are in, have a very, very low chance of getting a bye. Is, there could be a 13-3 and team playing hey, on the road in the wild card. That's you, crazy to would me. Would you rather have a bye or play the Cowboys? <laughs> that's both or, or both Eagles, buys. Or yeah. Eagles. Uh, but you're, out, you're in, on the road? The yeah, I, I guess that's true. I mean, whoever they get, uh, right, they're going to get the NFC East team. So I mean, it'll, yeah, I think whoever gets the Cowboys is a gift. It, it portrays no, that right. the system is a little bit flawed, but yes. it's a gift. No, you're yeah. right, you're right. I know the game would be on the road for San Francisco, right. but that doesn't mean it, anything. It doesn't really mean anything when the team is terrible, but just, just the optics of a 13-3 team having to go on the road. Just take out the game for a second and just look at it on paper, the optics right. of that. Just rub me the wrong way a little bit. And yeah, whoever, whether it's San Francisco or Seattle, because they could also go 13-3 and and have to go on the road against the NFC East team. So either one of those teams going on the road, they're going to they're gonna wax the NFC East winner. Well, well, that's part of the issue is regardless of what happens in that game, the 49ers, let's say, are still the five seed. So even if they play a team that has a worst record, that is the two or three seed the right. remainder of the way, they're not getting that home game unless they play the six seed later on, which is probably not going to happen. Which would have to be Minnesota or Green Bay. Right. And, and we're talking about the gift that's playing the Cowboys potentially in the first round. Vikings Packers. The Vikings could be an eleven and five team that has to go to Lambeau. That shows how stacked the conference is this year. Hey, the Vikings aren't a lot to make it either. The Rams, if the Rams or Bears run the table and the Vikings lose a couple more games, one of those teams could easily slide in there at the six seed. Or the Vikings could have to go to the dome too. The loser of Vikings Packers might have to go to the Superdome. Yeah, Saints aren't a lock for the one seed yeah. or the two seed. So <laughs> a lot can change. The NFC is just so crazy <laughs> it's, right it's, now. And all six of those oh, five of the six teams could absolutely win the Super Bowl. 
The only exactly. the only team in the NFC who you realistically say can't win is the winner of the NFC East. The Vikings and Packers are both very good teams. You look at the the Niners can absolutely win. The Saints were one play away from going to the Super Bowl and potentially winning it last year. So these teams are 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 all really good, and it's going to be a lot of fun not to only see them play in the regular season, but then obviously in January. A lot to sort out in the AFC as well as you really don't know what the Patriots are right now. I feel like we go through this every year though. Where it doesn't matter, man. They're going it's, to figure gonna, it out. They're going to win. They're just going to win again. I would not bet on it this year, especially with the way the wide receiving core is. They need to make them. They need to do something. Can't you see them just shutting down Lamar Jackson in the yes, playoffs? Though yes. Belichick will have an answer. Uh, this is this is so annoying because I hate I hate the Patriots. I really do. I don't like them. And every single year, it's the same thing. Oh, they don't look so good in the regular season. Call me in January until they prove they can't figure it out in January. They'll be fine. Is this a hard take that the the Kraft family and the, the team should just bite the bullet and sign AB again? Oh, jeez. Uh, isn't that window passed already? Or no, that was Gronkowski, that's not Gronk, AB. That's Gronk, yeah. Um, I, I would do it. Their wide receiving core needs yeah. serious help. It's funny I'll, how they went from like Josh Gordon and, and Antonio Brown, Brown to like Nikhil Harry and a Jacoby, bunch of uh, Jacoby Myers. Like, yeah, I, I, Philip Dorsett. Should they do it? Yes. Will they do it? No. no. I don't think there's any chance they do it. I wouldn't put it past them. Before we move on, though, and we'll get into plenty of Patriots because we do got to talk about the embarrassment of the New York Jets again coming up. <laughs> do you guys make anything of this OBJ thing? Another misconstrued quote. He's going to be in Cleveland next year. He'll be in Cleveland. And I don't like to defend Oda Beckham Jr. because I think he is a clown most of the time. Yep. But... This is what kind of did him in in New York. He had these viral videos. He had these social media encounters. And you would think he learned to keep his mouth shut eventually. It, what like, it boils yes, down he, to is him needing to stop talking. Just, he just needs to stop talking. Don't answer. Just, just stop talking. Don't like, engage. Exactly. Just Baker Mayfield, when he talks, he happens to say things that don't really always get him in trouble. But when OBJ talks, he gets says things that get him in trouble. So either talk the way your quarterback talks or just do what Jarvis Landry does. We haven't heard it from Jarvis Landry all year. You got two examples on what to do. Just don't talk, because every time he talks, it gets turned around. And then around. this insecure, defensible Twitter that he goes through after these occasions, like the okay with the emojis. I never said I was not happy in Cleveland. Just like everyone else, I'm hopeful for better results. Period. Next story, please. Crying emoji. It, these are the type of stuff that makes him an unlikable figure in the eyes of the fans and the media. And exactly what got him pushed out of New York. Yeah, I I think he's gonna be in Cleveland, obviously, and and I think. He shouldn't be happy right now. That that that's where it comes down to to me is for for a media to say like Odell Beckham's not happy right now. I feel like he should say, "Yeah, I'm not happy. We're not making the playoffs, and we stink." So and he's having the worst year of his career. Right. So almost, I think his apology was wrong. He should have said, "Yeah, I'm unhappy right now because we're a bad football Make team." Make it about the team, right. not we're about you. We're a bad you. football team. He he. The the comments are more selfish than team oriented. Like, why would you be happy right. at this stage? Exactly. You got you only got to make it seem like everything's okay. You should not dodge the bullet. Rather, go right into it and say, like, we got to get better. I feel like next year, obviously, we were talking about this before the show, Freddie Kitchens will probably get fired. He was not ready for this job uh, from day one. He just doesn't have doesn't have the effect or the team is undisciplined. I think if they can get themselves a sound head coach next year, they have the opportunity to be a, a fringe playoff team. Sure, it'll be a hot-button topic throughout our offseason and plenty of our season review podcasts of NFL Friday. But for now, we have to talk about the now, and that involves the two New York football teams. Gang Green up next and the horrific display against the Cincinnati Bengals. But first, we get our first fantasy hit of the day with John DeBarrow. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here, the players are expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Jacoby Brissett draws a nice matchup against a Tampa Bay defense that allows the fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Brissett is coming off a 300-yard performance on 40 attempts against Tennessee, and with the Colts leaning on the passing game more than ever, Brissett should have plenty of opportunities to put up points on a weak secondary. Demonte Freeman returned to the field last week after being sidelined for two weeks with a foot injury and immediately handled a starter's workload with 17 carries and four receptions against the Saints. Freeman will pick up where he left off against the spiraling Panthers squad, taking the field with a bottom five run defense and a new head coach. And Colton Sutton has been one of fantasy's most consistent performers, stringing together eight consecutive double-digit performances earlier in the season. Sutton may be poised to start another such streak after showcasing a nice connection with Drew Locke, hauling in two scores against the Chargers last week. 
Look for Sutton to keep it going this week against a middling Houston secondary. And those are some guys that should be in your lineups for this week. Great stuff, John. We'll get some duds from him later in the show, as well as some sleeper picks that you might be looking for to win your fantasy playoff matchup. We're already in that time of year now where you're probably in your two-week semifinal. Then you got the championship up next. That won't be in the cards for me this year. Charlie, I don't know about you. You don't you don't check your team, man. <laughs> well, once I started two and four, and that's hey, not an excuse. Admittedly, hey, I start, hey, I started zero and three, finished eight and five, and I'm tied for first place in the. Playoffs. Admittedly, so it, happen, it can happen. I got to two and four due to a lack of caring, and, <laughs> and then it kind of spiraled out of control. That's what, I've had better fantasy. That's years. what I don't understand. I the, mean, the commission is not happy with you. I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I can understand people not checking their fantasy baseball lineup because that's every day. Like, all right, I got to check this app again. You check the fantasy football app. I don't know. You can check it like once, once on Thursday morning or on Sunday morning to make sure you're you have questionable guys out, and then you change the lineup. That's it. Also, you bet money at the beginning of the year. You're just throwing the money in the garbage. <laughs> Not here to make excuses. It's a waste I've, of money. I've had better fantasy years. Threw that money in the toilet. It, it is now in the sewer. So <laughs> it, you got to do what you got to do. You got to. Own up to it and turn the page to next year. So it's not a great fantasy year for me this year. Make sure to check your lineups next year. Yeah, no, I, I, I will. I will. We <laughs> you're have. An you're on to 2020, year. Emmanuel. I am on to 2020. Yeah. 2020 vision. So, with with fantasy aside, we have a New York team to talk about, and that's Gangrene. Everyone asked whether it would be an abysmal Jets-like loss against the Bengals. The Jets were trying to prove it long, wrong in in the worst way and really right the tide, get to that Ravens game at 6-7. and seven. That's what everyone was looking for, but it did not happen. And Charlie, our angry commish, details it in his Jets report. Everything seemed to be moving in the right direction for the Jets until it wasn't. Last Sunday, the team hit another rock bottom, losing to the winless Cincinnati Bengals, 22-6. The team looked out of sorts right from kickoff, and it continued to spiral out of control all day. Adam Gase had Le'Veon Bell carry the ball only 10 times against the worst run defense in the league. The wide receivers were dropping passes left and right, and Gang Green failed to even score a touchdown for the first time since Week 7 against New England. To top it all off, they became the first team in the history of the NFL to lose to two winless teams that at a minimum have started the year 0-7 or worse. After the game, Gase said his squad made too many mistakes to get anything going against the Bengals. We couldn't stay consistent on anything. It was just every time we had something go on, we'd, we'd shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, I think we had eight penalties on offense alone. With their record now at 4-8 and eight, and the dream of making the playoffs all but over, this Sunday the Jets welcomed the Miami Dolphins to the Meadowlands for a divisional showdown. Last time these two faced off, Gang Green fell in their face and allow the Dolphins to get their first win of the season. To add insult to injury, no pun intended, the Jets will most likely be without Jamal Adams and Bell for the contest. The morale at one Jets drive is very low, and I think Miami will feast on that weakness for the second time this year. Give me the Dolphins 24-10, and what will be another brutal loss for the green and white. Covering the... I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. So, look, guys, it was the most Jets loss you could get. And I didn't want to admit it going in that I was expecting it because as a Jets fan, if you want to maintain hope, I really think you have to believe. It's hard, man. That they <laughs> it's can really hard to maintain hope. It, this is, I, I know this is the hope has been stripped away time and time again, but unless you believe that this could be different, you, I don't know what you're rooting for. So I'm not going to go into that game thinking it's going to be typical Jets. But that was the most drawn up to a T typical Jets loss of all time. It was like somebody threw me in a time machine and dropped me in Week 17 in Buffalo. They never stood a chance. It was like somebody dropped me in a time machine and put me in the AFC Championship game against the Steelers. And Charlie, we were talking about these scenarios over and over again the last couple weeks. Okay, Jets have a couple nice wins. They don't blow the Buffalo game. They don't have the embarrassment against Miami, which are both ifs. But let's say that didn't happen. But they they are the Jets. Exactly. So those things happened because of the logo on the front of their jersey. That's we, the only we thought, reason. We thought they could be five and six, six and five if those things didn't happen. I said heading into this week, if they don't win this game, I'm no longer excusing that. You have too many examples now of a team just not being prepared to play. 
And now you have three examples this year of games that no team in football history should lose. And the Jets lost them. So I'm no longer playing the what-if game. Could they be in a playoff spot? Could they do this? Could they do that? They are just a poorly run football team. I literally said in my report last week, I, it was the last thing I said. I hyped up, oh, if this team wins against Cincinnati, then wins again this week on Sunday against Miami, they could be 6-7, and seven, heading to a huge game against the Ravens to possibly go at 500. It would, it would have been such a great, great atmosphere. It would have been such a great game to hype up and get excited for. And then they go and do this. And it would have been easy to do. You were playing the Bengals. On the you first... were playing the Dolphins. Six it's, and seven. It's also such Jets luck that Finley gets benched the game before. Yeah. That is such first, Jets luck. First drive of the game when Andy Dalton throws that touchdown, I'm like, all right, it's over. It's over. It's they over. have no hope. No hope. Well, also all those drops on the first Jets drive, you're like, they're not ready to play. And we've seen this time and time again. And that, I'm sorry, comes down to coaching. I, I don't. And love, Adam Gaze deserves that blame. Absolutely. I don't love questioning play calling because there's a reason I'm sitting here and not on, the, on an NFL sideline. But I have serious questions about the play calling in that game because you you have an offense who scored 34 points in three consecutive games against bad defenses. They're playing another bad defense. And the offense looked completely different. There was no movement by Sam Darnold. There was no handoff. They ran the ball 10 times in the first half. It's literally the worst run defense in the entire NFL. I was just about to say that. I was about to say the run defense. It's mind-boggling. What are are we doing? You have the best running back in football. You paid him a ton of money. A ton of money. And you're dropping Sam Darnold back against Geno Atkins for the billionth time to get him sacked for the billionth time because the offensive line is brutal. They're so bad. Like head coaches. It's it's actually hurts my brain to watch. head coaches in middle Middle school, watch film, look at stats. Head coaches in high school try to deploy stuff that goes against the weakness of the opposing team. You have a blatant weakness for a team that has not won a football game this year. And you can't exploit it. And you have Le'Veon Bell, the guy you paid all that money to this offseason, to be one of the best running backs in the league against the worst run defense in the league, and you can't exploit that and win the football game? The only thing I can think about, remember back in May when McCagden got fired and we were like, wow, it's really weird that a GM got fired in May. Why would they do that? Oh, it's just the Jets. And then a couple days later it was announced that like Gase and Bell were like at each other's throats because Gase doesn't think he should pay a running back that much money. Prove it that the running back is worth that much money. Give him the football. He's the best player on the team. Best player on the offense. Your specialty. Give him the football and make him prove to you that he's worth that money. The season's over. Just hand him the ball. I'm starting to Six feel. Six points against the Bengals. Le'Veon Bell won't be a Jet next no. year. And if I'm Christopher Johnson, and I after he's watching, a clown. After watching this game, how do you guarantee Adam Gase a job in 2020? Because he's a clown. He doesn't know what he's doing. The Johnsons are in over their heads. I, I don't Everyone's care. talking about how we need to get the Dolans and the Wilpons out. The Mets fans finally got good yeah. news this week in New York that their franchise may be saved. It, the Johnsons are just as much to cope. I, I, I don't I don't care about politics at all. I want the president not to get reelected so Christopher jo- I never have to see Christopher Johnson. Woody face Johnson again. was just as bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know Chris, why you're waiting for Woody. <laughs> Christopher Johnson's a clown. Uh, that he every time he speaks, I get dumber. And also, that to think that idiot. Woody can't take a phone call for advice. I think it's a little ridiculous to think, and they're still making all these porous decisions. So I, I have no hope with the, the team. Jets was right just now. as bad with Woody Johnson. It doesn't matter. They're, if you have the last name Johnson and you're running the Jets, it's fair. It's fair. You, I, I you know they're going to be bad. I just feel like ever since Christopher Johnson got there, it's just been a sinking ship. The organizational structure is so messed up, which we've documented in previous weeks on this show, where Adam Gase's buddy is now the GM. So if Gase doesn't like Bell being on the team, which we know. And I don't care if they hate each other personally or have mended old wounds, whatever it may be. Gase doesn't view that as a fit for his offense because he doesn't give the ball to him. So I am of the firm belief Le'Veon Bell won't be a Jet next year. And that's sad because they really had a foundation if they were to build upon it to be a very nice football team moving they forward still have with Le'Veon Bell. They still have a fine foundation. And I feel like we're going back line. to square one. They have a bad offensive line. Their defensive line isn't great. And their cornerbacks are young. Other than that, they have a lot of good players on this team. C.J. Mosley is going to be healthy. Avery Williamson is going to be healthy. Jamal Adams is a star. They have good receivers. He might not even be on the team next year He either. might not be on the next team. I don't think That's he will true. be. The, Jamal Adams is a star. The, the, the young quarterbacks have played well. They have good players on this team. They're poorly coached. They have a terrible offensive line. And in the end, this coach clearly has no idea what he's well, doing. Well, Chris, that's what makes it sad. It, you are going to get rid of a potential top five running back in the league. With this core in place, just because your coach doesn't want like things it. run that way, 
It's another guy that's been getting a lot of heat is Quinn and Williams. He hasn't been performing up to par either. Like Leonard. Yeah, well, I mean, Leonard right. still doesn't have a sack on the on the, the entire Giants, year. Now the Giants the have to pay him uh, because they gave away third and fifth round picks. And to if the Gi- if the Giants do re-sign him, that fifth round pick for the Jets becomes a fourth. Nice. They, I, uh, the Jets fleece Gettleman. He, here's the silver lining that the Jets fleece Gettleman. And oh, good. Uh, yeah. It's like it's like when the Islanders <laughs> used to fleece the terrible GM of the Edmonton Oilers. It's like okay, great. Like you you fleece the terrible GM. You you found the one guy worse than you. Congrats. So Jets Doesn't Dolphins make it this week. That should be fun in our pickums. Picking, I'll I'm give you a little bit dolphins. of a teaser. Yeah, exactly. You didn't even tease it. You just uh, it right I'm, I'm picking yeah, the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. So They have a good coach. Let's transition into the Gettleman run Giants after this. We'll get Brianna Leverty's Giants report coming up. But first, our fantasy duds of the week. Here's John DeBarrow. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Drew Brees' fantasy production has been inconsistent since his return from injury despite a soft schedule featuring weak NFC South defenses. This week, Breeze faces his toughest challenge yet against the 49ers. Only the Patriots have allowed fewer points to fantasy quarterbacks. It's not easy leaving Drew Breeze on the bench, especially for a Saints home game, but there are safer options available. Devin Singletary is coming off a nice Thanksgiving performance against Dallas and is taking more share of the Buffalo backfield with each passing week. He'll have a tougher time matching his recent numbers this week against a Baltimore defense that has allowed just three rushing touchdowns all season and the second-fewest fantasy points to running backs. And Will Fuller has turned in some big performances this season, but he's far too inconsistent to trust in the fantasy playoffs. His high ceiling makes him difficult to sit, but after a one-catch performance against the Patriots and a matchup with a top-10 Denver secondary, Fuller doesn't belong in starting lineups. And those are some guys to leave on the bench this week. So, John DeBarra, how about your Steelers? Seven and five, now in a weak AFC, potentially headed towards the playoffs. And we were talking about Mike Tomlin's job security on this show. Coach of the year candidate. Coach of the year candidate. Coach of the year favorite. And if he's not with the Steelers next year, God forbid, for Steelers fans, he's getting a job in an instant. This has been a remarkable job by Pittsburgh. I can report that Mike Tomlin will uh, be with the Steelers (laughs) next year, probably as long as he wants to be. And, yeah, you're right. It really speaks to the job he's done as, as a head coach turning that team around with all the injuries that they've had. It's been a fun year, which I wasn't anticipating after Roethlisberger went down week two, but it's been fun to see the team really galvanize around that defense and around his leadership. And you're right, he should be the coach of the year. See what happens when you actually have a good coach. Right. Good stability. I mean, they've had three coaches in 50-plus years. Guys, you think football coaches matter? Absolutely. (laughs) We're talking about a coach adversely affecting the future of an organization, getting rid of a top-five running back. And there we have the Steelers, who lost an all-time quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, a Hall of Famer, and have won Super Bowls with that quarterback, lost him, and look, lo and behold, they are heading to the postseason. So, N- not most yet. likely. Not yet. Most likely in this AFC. I- I- I'll put my money on the Steelers to make it this I year. also got a quick fantasy question for all three of you before we go to the Giants segment. Really, really, really tough question. Patrick Mahomes against the pa- Patriots or Ryan, the other Ta- one. or Ryan Tannehill against Oakland? Ryan Tannehill against This is also the playoffs we're talking about. You're in the playoffs. Don't play a quarterback against Belichick because then Bill Belichick will be responsible for ruining your season. Also, at the same time, how can you say you sat the league MVP from last year in in your first round of the playoffs? It's a good point, and I like KC in that matchup. Is it a two-week matchup or a one-week matchup? If I lose, I'm out. I just can't live with myself if Bill Belichick sabotages my team and my fantasy team. If it was a two-week matchup, I'd say Tannehill, no doubt, because then you have time to come back in case it goes wrong. Right. I st- I, the it, is, it's in Foxborough, so I'm still going Tannehill. Also, Oakland just gave up 40 points two weeks in a row to the Jets and uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, that's on the road, too. So you got two road quarterbacks there. Charlie, listen to Hennessy right now because, again, my fantasy eyes are on the line <laughs> for me. So, what about the fantasy expert, I mean, John DeBarrow? I did consider putting Tannehill in my sleepers this week, but I don't think he's a sleeper. I think he's a legitimate starter, and everybody knows that now. And that is a tricky one, but would you be able to live yourself if Mahomes has a – Decent to I'd, good day, and I'd you end say, up losing. I'd say I'd rather live with the fact that I started Mahomes and Tannehill goes off, but I'd be really pissed off if I start Tannehill and uh, Mahomes goes also, off. Also, Mahomes isn't going off. Man. What Is a better Fox, way. Bro? He also played really well against them last Charlie, year. Charlie, what a better way to root against the Patriots than in your fantasy playoff matchup. So that's another way that right. it could be a win-win for you. And Watson just had a nice game on Sunday night. Also, so. that was at home, too. True, home. true. They haven't, they haven't lost in Foxborough <laughs> in like two and a half years. How about a sleeper candidate this week, Eli Manning? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's no. transition into our Giants segment and talk about some big blue. 
So Eli Manning gets his swan song, and Brianna Leverty gives us the latest on the Giants ahead of this weekend. Monday night football just got a bit more interesting. What would have been a lackluster matchup between two disappointing NFC East rivals will now likely feature the return of Giants great Eli Manning. However, the matchup could not take place in a more hostile environment, as Big Blue takes on the Philadelphia Eagles in enemy territory. But while I'd be a bit concerned for the young Daniel Jones facing such a fierce division rival for the first time, that is not a worry with Eli Manning. Easy e is still the same old unshakable quarterback that he was as the team starter, and he's ready to get back out on the field. You compete and you work out and do everything to go out there and, and compete uh, on game day and get wins and, and uh, put your team in a situation to win. So I think you, uh, you know, when you're not doing that, uh, you miss it. But which Eli will we see out on the field Monday night? The one capable of winning a Super Bowl and orchestrating a last-second game-winning drive? Or the stationary and lifeless interception-prone Eli? Regardless, fans can be reassured by the fact that Eli always leaves it all on the field and won't be affected by any emotions that might be present for the game. He'll have a full arsenal of receiving options at his disposal, too. Sterling Shepard returned last Sunday against the Packers, and Golden Tate was able to practice fully on Thursday after suffering a concussion. While it's not clear if Evan Ingram will be able to play yet, replacement Caden Smith has been impressive and proven he's capable of putting points on the board. In terms of the run game, Saquon obviously hasn't played his best since returning from injury, but his performance against the Packers was definitely an improvement from the two previous games. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones has been making progress in his recovery from a high ankle sprain that occurred during last week's defeat, and fans can be hopeful that Jones won't be sidelined for too long. With the opportunity to take his career record over 500 on Monday, I think Manning's got one more win left in him with the Giants, so I've got Big Blue over the Eagles, 24-21. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. What a weird season for the Giants in the sense that Everyone was so ecstatic to see Eli Manning no longer on the field earlier in the year. And now they're so excited that Daniel Jones is battling this injury. So Eli Manning, fans get one more look at him and what's been an atrocious season for the I Giants. Will, I will say that if the Giants were in some sort of playoff contention, I don't think Daniel Jones sits. There's no way that. Yeah. I, also played through it me, last week. He's getting roasted by like everyone on Twitter. Oh, he gets hurt. Him and Sam Darnold have been hurt. Uh, in the past, like they've they've been sick and hurt and whatever. Eli Manning's played every game of his career. He's never missed a start for injury. But I mean, again, if you're the Giants, why throw Daniel Jones out there when you're yeah, two and ten? And fans want the Eli Manning swan song. It, Eli Manning's not going to be on this team at the end of the year. I think that's pretty obvious. He's his career is tired. His contract is up, and if he goes anywhere, it's going to be as a. Um, like a Brett Favre on the Vikings type, he's not, he's not going to be that good. But like a, an old quarterback going to a team who's he should just set, retire. he should just retire. I think but it's, it's done for him. It's, it's possible that he goes somewhere who needs kind of a veteran quarterback, but probably not. And <sighs> Eli never missed a start to injury, but you're right, Charlie. They already have 10 losses. They're not going to win. The coach is fired. The GM's probably fired. The owner is most likely going to clear house besides Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So you might as well make sure that both of them are healthy for the for the next season. Well, so. it, it, you struck a chord, too, because if anything, the Giants handle this poorly. Why was Daniel Jones playing that second half in the snow when, on when his home field with a high ankle sprain? When, when did the ankle sprain happen? I think it happened early second half, and, and he played the remainder of the game. Pat Shermer's praising his toughness in the post-game press conference. Like He's playing in the snow with a high ankle sprain. That, that, that's not anything to laugh about. No, I know. And this is your young, quote-unquote, franchise quarterback moving forward, and he's playing in that second half. So I think it's a no-brainer not to play him this week. It's just weird because you never expected to see Eli Manning again, and now they got to unleash their backup quarterback because they don't have anyone else. He should start the rest of the four games. He should. Just, and then get, he probably will. Yeah. He'll have that real swan, swan song week 17 at right. home. Maybe they'll go to six and ten, win four straight, and then yeah, lose the tiebreaker right. for the division uh, when the Cowboys <laughs> finish at six and ten. No, I think they're officially eliminated. The Giants. Yeah, they, they, they are because of the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of sad that they're two and ten and still alive in some minds. So, the Giants lose again, and <laughs> you talked about clearing house. Yeah, I don't think it's far fetched at this point. You're starting to hear these murmurs that the ownership is very upset. Uh, they Tish should be. just talked should about be. the fact that there has to be some reflection at the end of this year. I appreciate are, that the owners are upset. Yeah, I, I appreciate that someone <laughs> I really do. has finally spoken out because 
what are you going to hear from Christopher Johnson? Nothing. So Tish comes out and says they need to reflect. They need to make some serious decisions that will carry them into the future. And to me, that indicates the coach is done and maybe the GM's done. And that's exactly what Giants fans need to hear because this has been a dark age of Giants football. They've been the doormat of the NFL for essentially four or five years now. Interesting take from Colin Cowherd that I heard this week that Gettleman could possibly save his job if he tells the ownership, hey, Ron Rivera's out there. I knew him in Carolina. I can get him to come to New York. That would that would pretty that would pretty much save his job, I think. Yeah, That's I fair. still think that his player personnel decisions are questionable at best. And his drafting has been his, awful. Dra- his drafting outside. You can question drafting a running back at two too. So like DeAndre the best, the Baker best... cannot guard a chair. <laughs> also, He's so bad. And what about the lineman Leonard from Williams. Uh, Leonard Williams? That's bad. <laughs> what about the lineman from Clemson? He hasn't really done anything. Either. Dexter Lawrence has had a good season. He's, he's, a, he's, he's been all right. Had a good season. He's been all right, but. Leonard Williams has been awful. He got fleeced in that trade. And, look, there were questions about drafting a running back at two. There were questions about the quarterback that he selected. There have been questions about just about every single player that he's he's gotten. There were questions about getting Jabril Peppers for um, OBJ. Odell, thank you. Um, yeah, so his player personnel uh, decisions have been not good. So no matter who, if he really can go in there and say, look, I can get you Ron Rivera, who was 15-1, and went to a Super Bowl, great career in Carolina, fine, but... In the end, it, the product that they're putting on the field, Ron Rivera's not going to be that good if the product stinks. I also think in some way these final four weeks could be a bad look for the Giants because Eli Manning, we know he's not anything special at this stage of his career. He's basically a immobile quarterback. Who, shell of himself. <laughs> who really can't do anything in terms of throwing the ball downfield. But against four teams that are very beatable and two of those games against the Eagles – Dolphins, Redskins. If they get on some sort of a roll here to end the season and Daniel Jones is just left with a high ankle sprain and kind of a regression in the middle of the season, I think it puts a real cloud over the organization. Like, what is our direction? No, because I think Gettleman's I... only thing he's hanging his hat over right now is, look, I drafted our franchise quarterback. Daniel yeah. Jones moving forward, that's what I put us on. That's our trajectory. If we end up winning a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones, Gettleman's looked upon fondly. So I think that's his legacy right now. Yeah, if they end up winning a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones, Dave Gettleman's not going to be the GM. If, if the Giants win three of four here at the end of the year. I, I think it just looks really weird for the organization. How to get I don't the think they're season. going. I don't think they're going to. I think Jones has been fine. I think it's just the team is just not good. The defense is just the absolutely defense is, disgusting. The defense is horrific. And the, in, the, in, the, in the end, the team isn't good. They aren't well coached. What does Pat so, Shermer have to do to save his job? Nothing. 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 He's gone. He's gone. He, I, was, I was surprised he survived this long. I I guess they're not making a coaching change in the middle of the season because it would have happened. And I think it's overrated to judge these coaches on like what they say in the post game. (laughs) Not Pat Sherbert. And and I know like people are unfairly judged on this because literally it's what they're saying. If you lose, there's really no real words that can make the fan base feel better. But, it, it is painful to watch Pat Shermer in these post-game press conferences. It, it has not helped his case whatsoever. I don't know the exact numbers. Um, I saw I saw this t- t- tweeted the other day or whatever. Ben McAdoo had a better record in two years than Pat Shermer so did in it, two I, years. I remember what it was. So I know Shermer's 7-21. Right, so McAdoo got fired after the equivalent of the Packers game in his career. So he got the whole season, then up through week 13, and he had, I think it was like a three or four better game better record than Pat I think he was Pat actually like 13 or 15 or something Yeah, because like he had like a decent season the first year and then was terrible the second year, and then once he benched Eli for Geno Smith, everybody was like, all right, well, like you're an idiot, so please leave. And Pat Shermer's been worse. So, there, look, there are going to be options out there for the Giants to replace Shermer with, but it's a matter of is Dave Gettleman going to be able to select them or is John Mara going to pick the next GM? I just don't get it. Like, Pat Shermer walked into that interview room. After Ben McAdoo was such a flop, if you're the Giants organization, you are known as the class of the NFL at stages, but you are one of the classiest organizations in NFL history. How is that guy sticking out to you and saying, well, oh, I this think, is the guy that's going to lead us I into the I think you look at the team that he brought to the 2017 NFC Championship game in Minnesota and see that Case Keenum, who, let's be honest, we're not confusing for Joe Montana anytime soon, was a very good quarterback under Pat Shermer, and Eli Manning was regressing heavily at the time. And it was, well, let's see if we can get the best at the end of Eli and then have him develop a young quarterback. And that clearly has just not worked. Which is why I think they go with a guy like Ron Rivera who preaches defense because they had two straight offensive coaches and now their defense is yeah, is I, the biggest part of the problem. I think Rivera is a great. I think Rivera is so a great choice for every defense. team who needs who needs a cor- who needs a coach. I think he's a great choice for. Uh, well, Cincinnati's not going to fire their coach. Cleveland, uh, the Jets and Giants, whoever the it Jets is, the Jets are not going to fire. They're not going to fire Gase, but 
whoever whoever fires their coach, I think uh, uh, Rivera is the best option out there because you think of who is going to get fired. Dan Quinn probably going to get fired in Atlanta. Uh, Rivera is going to be the best option. Well, since the infamous boat trip and the last time the Giants were good, it, they've really neglected areas of need. The defense has been horrific over those years. The offensive line, you can make the case it's been better this year, but it was the doormat of the NFL the last couple of years. So, sure, you can blame coaching all you want, but there have been plenty of decisions that have spiraled the Giants to this point, including the one where regressing Eli Manning was considered a guy that they should stick with. And that really set them back. Well, you have to remember, that team who went to the playoffs, the boat trip, that was right before the playoff game against the Packers, and it was the defense who brought them there. That was not Eli Manning. That, well, that was, was not the last the time they were good. And that was the last time the defense was good. That was um, uh, Janoris Jenkins, Jenkins and uh, the Landon safety, Collins. Landon Collins, thank you. Um, and their defense was good that year. To see the regression of those players specifically, Landon Collins obviously not on the team anymore, but of those players in particular and the defense as a whole has been more shocking than the offense, honestly. They've been very non-committal in how they've run this organization, including a move like benching Eli Manning for one week and putting in Geno Smith. Well, that so, was just Ben McAdoo's. You no. need to be committal, regardless of what you do, and that's why you probably are an advocate for cleaning house, because you're committal in that case. You just get a new structure at the top, and you try to build it from the ground up. You have a quarterback in place. And then you just build around that quarterback. And that's what the Giants essentially have to do. And I think that's the only thing that's going to make this fan base feel any better entering this offseason through these final four games of the year is if they know we're starting from scratch at the end of this year. Yeah, I, I think that the team needs to start from scratch. They have a young quarterback and a young running back to do it. And this draft is going to be just draft and free agency and coach picking is going to be very important for them. And the number one decision that has to be made is by John Mara if he wants Dave Gettleman to, to captain that ship. Regardless of whoever the GM is, if they get the number two pick, it's got to be it, Young. It's got to be Chase Young. So it's not that it's not a hard decision. No, it's not. Even if Gettleman is still the GM, exactly. And the free agency to me is what's more important because there are many, many, many holes on this team that can be filled by players currently in the NFL who are on expiring. Well, we know NFL teams can turn around in one year if you make the proper free agent moves. You have a good draft. It's not hard, especially if you have a quarterback you believe in, and the Giants believe they have that in Daniel Jones. So Giants Eagles. This weekend should be interesting to watch these final few weeks as Eli Manning gets his due. Final few weeks, as we know for certain now, as the Giants' starting quarterback. So we'll get our sleepers of the week from John DeBarrow and then our favorite segment. We pick this week's NFL games and a lot of great games to pick this week with playoff implications. First, we go to John. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Ryan Fitzpatrick unleashed a full aerial assault on the Eagles last week to the tune of 365 yards and three touchdowns. The performance marked Fitzpatrick's second straight performance of more than 20 fantasy points. The Dolphins' passing game should be able to keep it going against a demoralized Jets defense that ranks in the bottom half in the league in fantasy points allowed to QBs. In relief of James Conner, Benny Snell has strung together two consecutive double-digit fantasy point performances on 21 and 16 carries. With Connor out another week, Snell will take a, a nice opportunity against a bottom 10 Arizona rush defense and has a good chance to get back into the end zone like he did last week when he delivered the Steelers' first rushing score since week 8. And with the Colts thin at wide receiver, Zach Pascal remains the team's only downfield threat. Pascal proved capable of taking on a larger role last week against the Titans when he reeled in seven catches for 109 yards. Pascal should keep up the production this week against a Bucks defense that allows the most fantasy points to receivers. And those are some sleepers that could put you over the edge this week. Is this the best week of matchups of the season, guys? So far. I, I think it is, and I think it will be the best throughout the regular season. So enjoy it while you can because playoff football is around the corner. You get a bit of a taste of it this week. So we're going to run through it. We're going to make our picks. Here we go. This week's NFL picks. Week 14, and we start with Tampa Bay, Indianapolis. I've been picking Indy all year, and it's done me very well on this podcast. Me and Charlie support the leading records here. I'm going Indy. This is a tough one to pick because Indy was in it in the playoff race, and now they're not anymore. I mean, they, they still technically are, but this team is fading. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Give me the Colts. I think they're well coached. They still have an outside chance. Frank Reich's going to have the guys ready to go uh, with an outside chance at the playoffs. 
I'm going to go with Tampa Bay as well. Tampa Bay is actually a really fun team to watch. So I think this could be a high-scoring game, but Tampa Bay gets the win. Buffalo-Baltimore. <laughs> this is a game where I like Buffalo to cover, definitely. But I think there's a inspired Buffalo team that believes that they can do special things this year. And for that reason, at home on extra rest, I like the Bills. Yeah, I mean, this shouldn't be an easy game to pick, obviously. Um, Baltimore is the, by far the best team in the league right now. But I'm really liking the way Josh Allen and this team looks. They're at home. I just think the, the crowd will be good. I think Buffalo has all the indications of winning this game. Crowd's going to be nuts. This 9-3 and three Bills team, they have a legitimate chance to win this division if, if the Patriots falter here at the end of the year. Uh, you know what? I was going to go Baltimore. I'm changing my mind. Give me the Bills. Well, I have an opportunity to be lone wolfing the Ravens here. I'm, I'm going to do that. I really, as much as I like Buffalo's long-term prospects, I just don't think their defense is equipped to slow down Lamar. They, You've been able to run on them this year, so I think Lamar takes advantage of that. It is crazy how we have a lone wolf for the Ravens, but <laughs> we all believe that Buffalo defense can slow down Lamar Jackson for the most part. Minnesota, Detroit. Minnesota is comfortable at home. They are 4-0 in one o'clock home games this year, and Detroit that? is downright awful. Give me the Vikings. Yeah, this is an easy one to pick. Give me the Vikings. Is David Blau going to play in this game? Yes. I'll to, I was going to go with the Vikings anyways, but that makes it even easier. Oh, Vikings. Green Bay and Washington. Redskins are awful. They are part of that abysmal NFC East where no one wants to win. Green Bay is a playoff team. I like the Packers. Another easy one. I, I mean, we're going to have to see how Dwayne Haskins does on the road, but still, Green Bay. Pack easy. Oh, rooting for Washington to win that division because that'd be funny, but Green Bay <laughs> in this game. Houston, Denver in Houston. I like the Texans. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they played really well against the Pats last week. They're going to be riding high, so yeah, give me the Texans. Charlie said it, riding the adrenaline of beating the Pats. Houston big. Yeah, I like Houston as well. So we have New Orleans and San Fran. This is one of those powerhouse matchups. Saints are at home, and I love the Saints. So give me the Saints in this, New Orleans. This is a game that you need to win for the Pick'em segment because of how monumental it is. It's, it's between, between me and E-Man because right. our records are so close. So I'm going to flip-flop here. I'm going to go with San Francisco. This is a tough one. You, you think about New Orleans in the Dome, almost unbeatable, but you look at a San Francisco defense that could be quick and fast on that turf. Uh, I'll go San Francisco in a close one. Wow. Yeah, I like the Niners as well, despite being on the road. They're still looking for that signature win. I don't think they're going to lose two in a row. And that Saints offensive line, I don't have a lot of faith in, so Drew Brees could have a rough day. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Andy Dalton is back, which makes this a very interesting game somehow with how much in shambles the Browns have been this season. I'll still pick the Browns in a tight one. I mean, Baker Mayfield, is his hand is not right. Um, he says he's going to play. Regardless of the fact you said Andy, with Andy Dalton leading this team again, I'm still going to go with the safer pick and pick the Browns. I will pick the Bengals. The uh, Browns are an absolute dumpster fire. Not that the Bengals aren't, but uh, uh, Cleveland is so undisciplined, they might hand this game to Andy Dalton and the Bengals. So I will go Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm going to go Cincinnati as well because I still think they play for pride. I think this is the week we really see Cleveland just flat-out quit on the rest of the season and Freddie Kitchens. Interesting one here, Atlanta, Carolina. We have the 5-7 and seven Panthers and a Falcons team that's been infuriating all season long. I'll take Carolina. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll just go Carolina. <laughs> this is a tough it's one to bleh. pick because uh, the Falcons are so hard to get a read on. They go to New Orleans, they beat the Saints, but uh, a new coach in Carolina, I'll go Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to go for Atlanta as well because I, I weirdly feel like the players are still playing for Dan Quinn. I don't know why they would do that, but <laughs> they are. He seems well-liked, so they're still playing for pride. Last time I was on this show, I picked the Jets over Oakland, and that was the one time they proved me right all year. I'm not getting fooled this time. Miami. <laughs> I mean, this game is different because the last time they played Miami, Miami was unbeaten. Uh, Undefeated. Not, unde no. not, not unbeaten. unbeaten. They were unbeaten. unbeaten. Yeah, they didn't the have exact a win. opposite of that. They didn't have a win. <laughs> uh, this, so this is, I guess, an easier trap, but still, I'm going to go with Miami. Uh, the last time they played Miami, I picked Miami to win, so I will do it again. I'll go with the Jets, only because they're home. Jacksonville, L.A. Give me L.A., although they're on the road. Gardner Minshew back in the starting lineup for the Jags. 
But yeah, the safer pick here is the Chargers, so I'm going to go with the Chargers. Jacksonville has a lot of problems, not just Nick Foles. The Chargers kind of stink too, but I'll go with the Chargers. I'm going with the Jaguars here. I think Minshew plays well. New England, Kansas City in Foxborough. I like the Chiefs. I think they're getting healthier. They are finding their rhythm, and I think they make a statement against a struggling Pats team. I don't think there's a way that the Pats can lose two games in a row. Like look, they looked really bad last week. That the school, the score shouldn't fool anyone. I know, I know, I know. Patrick Mahomes is important for my fantasy league. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go with New. I'm gonna go with New England. I don't think, like I said, I don't think that they lose two in a row, especially at home. Yeah, there is a zero percent chance the New England Patriots lose this game. Go with the Chiefs here because. Tom Brady's clearly just not on the same page with these receivers. That's their whole offense. It's all timing. We saw him frustrated last week. This offense can't work. Not that it can't in a rematch in the playoffs, but for right now, I like the Chiefs. The Titans at 7-5 and five visit the Raiders, who are in all sorts of trouble. Give me the Titans, and that could become a race with John DeBarrow Steelers. Yeah, I mean, the Titans look really good at Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Amazing should... what happens on a quarterback yeah. freeze around of gates, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Matt Moore uh, looks pretty good in relief of Mahomes, too. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee. They're riding high right now. Yeah, give me those Ryan Tannehill, Adam Gaseless-led Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I like Tennessee too. Pittsburgh, Arizona. So, Pittsburgh will need this one to keep pace with Tennessee. Arizona's done some good things this year despite the record, but I do like Pittsburgh full throttle in that AFC picture. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. Give me the Duck, Steelers. Yeah, I'll go with the Steelers as well. L.A. Rams against the Seahawks is a very, very enticing game. I like Seattle. Give me Russell Wilson. I love what they've been doing. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and the the Rams bid for a playoff bid. Yeah, even though it's at the Coliseum, I think the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC right now, and I'll go with Seattle. I'll go with Seattle as well. Just haven't seen enough from the Rams' offense this year to have faith in them now. While I think this could be a deceiving final game with the Giants and Eli Manning wins if the Giants fans get excited and then lose the last three games after that, I'm never picking the Giants this year, so I'm going Philadelphia. Yep, Philadelphia. Philly. Eagles. Good stuff, guys. That is our week 14 batch of picks. Will Charlie or I get the edge? We still have a couple weeks down this home stretch, but both around 650 in winning percentage. Have hey, a couple different picks three. this week, and, and Chris in a smaller sample size closing in on us. Yeah, technically, I'm the leader, but it's fine. Big thanks to everyone involved with the show today. It should be a rules. fun week. <laughs> we got to get some rules in terms of... We need qualification well, yeah. rules. All right, right. What's the minimum amount of weeks? We'll talk about it off air. All right, fine. <laughs> Charlie Maizano, Chris Hennessy, John DeBarro, and Mike Messina producing us behind the glass. Emmanuel Berbari, this is a week 14 edition every week. NFL Friday, WFUV Sports.org.